Welcome to Econ On The Go. Let's turn our attention to talk about supply. Supply curves show how producers' choices of output levels respond to changes in the market price. So we're going to draw them on the same price on the vertical axis, quantity on the horizontal axis, that we used for the demand curves. For a given price, what quantity would be produced by the firms? Or, same as we did for the demand curve, we can ask what price level would we need to have in the market in order for firms to produce a certain amount of goods and services? For a given quantity, what would be the price in the market? Or at a certain price, what quantity would be produced? Now, the supply curve is based on production and profit maximization decisions and lots of detail, which we're going to explore in future episodes. But for right now, we need to understand why the supply curve slopes up and why it looks the way it does so we can compare it and combine it with the demand curve analysis so that we can start to see what the market equilibrium looks like. The reason why the supply curve slopes up is because in order to induce me as a producer to make more output, it's going to cost me more. And so you have to have a higher price in the market to incentivize me to cover those costs and therefore produce output. So think about an apple farmer. The apple farmer is deciding how many apples to pick to bring to the farmer's market on a given day. We know that the farmer is going to choose to pick the apple that is on the lowest branches closest to the barn first, because that is the low-hanging fruit. There's a reason why that's used as an expression for the easy things to do in business. Now, after the farmer picks that first piece of fruit, if she wants to pick another piece of fruit, it's going to be a little bit higher on the tree. It's going to be a little bit farther away. It's going to involve a little bit more effort, and so it's going to cost more in terms of labor or other inputs in order to pick that next piece of fruit. And eventually, she's going to hope to get a ladder and climb the ladder, which is going to take time, is going to take resources, etc. So an apple farmer is going to pick the low-hanging fruit first and the most expensive piece of fruit in terms of the cost last. So in order to get her to pick that last piece of fruit, the price in the market has to be really high in order for her to say, well, it's going to cost me $10 to pick that last piece of fruit. As long as the price in the market is less than $10, I'm not picking it. So to pick the first piece of fruit, the price needs to be low or can be low in order to incentivize her to pick. And as the price rises, it incentivizes her to pick more and more apples because the cost is now justified by the price in the market. Now, there are areas where costs decrease as output increases, what we call economies of scale. And we think about this with software and other things which have large fixed costs. But as we'll see in the future, the supply curve is the place where the firm's decisions are constrained, not where it's easy to continue to do more and more and more and more stuff. And where those costs are constrained are where costs are increasing as output increases. Remember, optimization happens where we're constrained and we're trying to do the best for ourselves. If there was no scarcity, if there were no constraints, we would just keep producing an infinite amount. And even software, there is a point where the cost of producing that last incremental unit of software gets too expensive to make it worth the price of producing it. So we are going to see again in the future episodes as we start to break down why that supply curve slopes up based on production and profit maximization decisions, 
But the intuition is that if I want to keep producing more and more and more stuff, eventually it's going to cost me more and more and more to do it. And so the price better increase or else I'm not going to produce. The supply curve is affected by lots of different things, just like we saw the demand curve was affected by preferences, prices of alternate goods, uh, income, and number of consumers. Supply is affected by input prices. So we talked about the apple farmer, the cost of pesticides and fertilizer, labor, all the costs that go into producing that apple. Production technology, which is, for now, let's just think of it as the way in which the farmer produces the apples. We'll go into more detail in future episodes about production technology. Alternate product prices. We saw that with demand, alternate goods. Alternate product prices affect supply. If the prices of, say, pears goes up in the market, I'll switch from producing apples to producing pears. Joint products. Might be things like if I'm making uh, applesauce, I'm squeezing out some of the juice, so I might want to make apple juice at the same time. The number of firms, just like we saw the number of consumers. So the number of firms for the market supply curve, how much total is produced in the market, how many total apple farmers are out there. And then finally, the time frame. And this matters because in the short run and the long run, I have different decisions I can make. In the short run as an apple farmer, I can harvest the trees I have. Whereas in the long run, I can plant new trees. I can buy new acreage, and I can do different things in the long run which are going to affect the cost of producing apples. So take the very simple example as if I have three trees and I've picked all the apples off those trees. If I want to pick one more apple, I really can't pick an apple. But in the long run, I can pick more than those three trees because I can plant more trees and grow more apples. Supply curves have the same concept of elasticity as we saw with the demand curve. It's percentage change in quantity divided by the percentage change in price. And so it's the same formula we saw with demand, the DQ divided by DP times P over Q. And the only difference here is that the percentage change in quantity divided by the percentage change in price is now positive because the supply curve slopes up. So instead of the negative elasticity we saw for demand, we have a positive elasticity for supply. And again, it's just the percentage change in quantity divided by the percentage change in price. When prices in the market change by 1%, how much of our percentage increase in the number of apples get produced? Because supply is positive, it's now bound between zero and positive infinity. And we see the same relative measures of elastic and inelastic, except now it's on the positive side instead of the negative side. So between one and positive infinity is elastic supply. Between zero and one is inelastic supply. And at one, elasticity of one, we have unit elastic supply. So supply curves slope up. Again, the intuition is that as the cost goes up to produce more and more and more stuff, the price in the market has to go up and up and up to induce our apple farmer to decide that she wants to go and produce more apples and pick more apples to bring them to the farm. And as I said, in future episodes, we're going to explore in much more detail why the production technology and the profit maximization decisions lead to this upward sloping supply curve. But now that we understand it, we can start to look at the market overall and the equilibrium between the demand curve and the supply curve. Next time, we will talk about that as we explore further. What is the competitive market outcome and how does that help us measure the welfare of the economy overall? 